Good morning, everyone. Don't sound so enthusiastic. Good morning, everyone. I know you guys are disappointed that Alan's not here. I get that. I understand that. But, you know, uh, I am filling in the gap today. Um, so, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, it's not my, my forte in terms of getting in front of people, but if the Lord calls you to do it, you just do it, you know? So, um, you know, uh, we've had an awesome celebration so far. We've had, you know, awesome baptisms. So let's give them a round of applause. The praise team, they always bring it. So they prepare our minds and hearts for the message. So let's give them a, a round of applause. And then also, too, we just uh, saw Man Camp video. Uh, the guys got back uh, last week. They, they enjoyed a weekend up in New Boston, Missouri. And, you know, and the boys, uh, they received the message. They were able to get dirty and have some fun and shoot guns and all that good stuff. And so we appreciate the men who took their time to go out and work with our young, young, young men and show them what being a man is all about. So let's give them a round of applause. Uh, Alan, is, Alan is in New Philadelphia, Ohio, um, assisting with or speaking at the, the certainty, certainty Conference, and so I'm filling in today. Um, it's a privilege and an honor to be here. Uh, my name is Ron Griffin, and I'm the pastor over the Rock Fellowship class, and we meet um, the second and fourth Sunday of each month uh, in room six at 9 a.m., I'm also the oversight pastor for the Every Woman's uh, Ministry, and then also I assist uh, Pastor Wayne Shipley with the Biblical Counseling Ministry here. So with all that, uh, let's pray and let's get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you on this first day of the week. We thank you, Lord, for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, who paid the price for us, Lord, to have an opportunity at, uh, for eternal life. We ask, God, that uh, the message that is uh, brought today, that is, comes from you, that these are your words, Lord, and I'm just a mouthpiece. Remove any anxiety, any doubt, any fear. Remove that from me, Lord, and just speak. And, and I ask, God, that the word penetrates the hearts and minds of everyone here and that you know, everyone that is here, that, that they leave this place changed, convicted, you know, motivated to live a life that pleases you. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, in the Rock Fellowship, our theme for the year of 2022 is stand fast, walk worthy, and run patiently. And today, we're going to look at the concept of standing strong. And our base text will be taken from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. So if you have your Bibles and or electronic device, uh, please meet me there. And it reads, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over to this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. 
Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good, good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. The context of verses 1 through 9 is that Moses has been promoted to be in heaven with his heavenly father. And a torch of leadership has been passed from Moses to Joshua, with Joshua taking over as the leader of the nation of Israel. As the new leader of Israel, God challenges Joshua to, 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 to trust God be strong, and be courageous. Now, a little bit of background about Joshua. His name means the Lord of salvation. He is a type of Christ because similar to Christ, as commander and leader of his people, he conquered his enemies and led Israel into blessings and rest. Joshua was one of 12 spies chosen to scope out the land of Canaan which was promised to the nation of Israel by God. During the spying expedition, Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies who believed that God would deliver Israel's enemies and, the land of, and grant the land of Canaan to Israel. As a result of their belief, their lives were spared, and they were blessed throughout their lives. Joshua was made Israel's military commander and eventually he took over as the leader of Israel. With each position and the name that he was given, Joshua exemplified an individual that had physical and most importantly, spiritual strength. In the church today, many folks are physically standing, but have spiritually fallen down. Some of us have allowed life to have its way with us and the stability that we once had has been diminished or lost. We have allowed our fears, our doubts, and our past to dictate our lives and Christ is no longer in control. Christianity is in a weakened state and it is time that we place Christ back in control so that we regain and remain strong in the Lord. 
To gain our strength back, we must remember to build on the solid foundation of those before us because we have a responsibility of being proper examples to future generations on how to stand, which is my point number one. I know that was a lot, but remember to build on the solid foundation of those before us. In verse number one of our text, it states, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. In this verse, Moses is described as being a servant of the Lord. Moses was appointed by God to lead the nation of Israel out of bondage from Egypt and, 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 and to the promised land. Moses was a man of God who loved the Lord. He consistently followed God and his faith was strong. He also was a spiritual father to many, a mentor, a discipler, and he poured his life into Joshua. Under the tutelage of Moses, Joshua learned how to handle life issues and circumstances. And as a result of his obedience to the Lord, he was blessed beyond measure. Joshua, not Moses, was the leader who led the nation of Israel to actually step foot inside the promised land. Due to his obedience to the Lord, Joshua was able to take the nation of Israel further into their journey than his predecessor, Moses. In essence, Moses laid the foundation and Joshua expanded what Moses started. As 21st century Christians, we must do the same. We must take the gospel further than the previous generations before us. And as the body of Christ, we must remember who we are and where we came from. We must learn from our past and current leaders, the good and the bad, so that we know how to live for and through Christ. We have a rich history of men and women who have paved the way for you and I to be in the position that we are currently in. We have a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, and Bible-leading church whose leaders strive to follow the Word of God, are filled with the Holy Spirit, and refuse to succumb to the substandards of, of this world. And it is our responsibility to demonstrate to the current and future generations on how to be strong in the Lord. See, every generation should build on the other so that there is constant, consistent, and considerable growth in the Lord. We must recognize that as Christians, it is our responsibility to live lives that glorify Christ, and we must be godly examples for the lost and the saved. See, we cannot expect the current generation or future generations to carry the torch if we're not doing our part while being totally sold out for the Lord. See, Satan wants to destroy the, the rich history of faithful Christians so there is nothing to remember or build on. He wants to destroy the foundation of the church so the influence of Christ is diminished. The word of God is forgotten and godly living is an afterthought. We have too few Christians actually living out what we believe. 
And Christianity is in a digressive state. See, we must change our behavior to counteract our current condition. In, in John thirteen fifteen, Jesus states, For I have given you an example that ye, that ye should do as I have done to you. In this verse, Jesus gives us the instruction to do as he has done. So what did Christ do? He obeyed his heavenly father. He followed the word of God and he loved people. We must follow Christ's example by, number one, submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Number two, following the instructions of the Bible. And number three, investing in people by loving others like Christ. First Timothy 4.12 tells us, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. See, Paul tells us to be examples for others by what we say in word, in how we live, in how we love, how we walk in the spirit, in what we believe, and by being holy. Hebrews 13, 7, it says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. See, in this verse, Paul tells the Hebrews, which can, can be applied to us as well, to remember those who have invested their lives by exemplifying Christ and to follow their example on how to live for Christ. As we continue in this Christian journey, we must continue to look at our past so we could continually build a stronger foundation in the Lord, which leads to our second point for today, and that is to stand strong for the Lord, we must reflect on his goodness and greatness so that we know who to stand with. In verses 2 through 4 of our passage, God says the following, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. In other words, God tells Joshua to possess the land that he promised to Israel. And in, in fact, God fulfills this promise with Joshua. See, throughout the life of Joshua, he was able to see and partake in the goodness and greatness of God. As the body of believers, it is important that we reflect on the awesomeness of God. Truth be told, we all deserve eternal damnation. But God provided his son, Jesus Christ, as our ransom for, as our, ransom for our sin. See, he promises eternal life for all who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He promised to provide all of our need. He promised to seek vengeance on our behalf. He has and continue to fulfill every promise. See, God is so good to us, 
And the fact that we receive his grace and mercy on the daily is truly a blessing. And it is important that we, that we reflect on the evidence of God's goodness in our lives. We must look at where we came from, where we're at, and where God has brought us. He woke us up this morning. He provided food on the table. He gives us shelter. He gives us clothing. He gives us a job. He gives us that vehicle that we came to church in. He is so good and so great that his, that his mercies are renewed on the daily. On the flip side, Satan desires for our minds to stay off of the goodness and greatness of God. He desires for us to look at where we, uh, what we don't have. He desires for us to be envious and covet our neighbor and their things. He wants us to be depressed. He wants us to be discouraged. He desires for us to believe the grass is greener on the other side. We must call out the devil and tell him that he is a liar and not believe his lies. See, our job is to look at the blessings of God, which keeps our minds off of what we don't have. If we focus on the goodness and greatness of God, then we won't have time to focus on what we don't have, can't have, or think we should have. Why? Because we will see that his goodness and, grace, uh, his goodness and greatness is beyond measure. We should reflect on the goodness and greatness of God by giving thanks to him, which is letter A. As members of the body of Christ, we must give thanks to our Heavenly Father for all that he has and continues to do for us. Psalms 105 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. So this psalm tells us to call on the name of the Lord, give thanks, and tell others about his greatness. In other words, we need to be bragging on our God and follow the instructions of Paul, where in Ephesians 5.20 he states, Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The key word is all. Let me hear you say the word all. all. Let me hear you say it again. All. Let me hear you say all things. all things. We need to give thanks in all things. Therefore, we must be thankful in all things. Even if we don't understand, if we disagree or don't like, like it, we must give thanks in all things. Let's say that word again, all things. See, giving thanks should always be a part of our lives because it indicates our heart attitude towards God and others. If we are truly thankful to our Lord, then we, sh we, would not go about, we would not go a day without thanking him. We would not complain about the temporal things of this world. Our minds will be focused on what God has done and is doing in our lives. Many Christians are not thankful. We have the mindset that we deserve more than what God has already provided to us. We have an entitlement attitude and feel as though we deserve the blessings that God affords us and much, much more, which is so far from the mindset of Christ. See, an attitude of gratitude should be demonstrated at all times. Let's use that magic word again, all times. And we should never allow our condition, situation, or circumstance 
to dictate our attitude towards God. When we are thankful, then our Heavenly Father is more apt to bless us. Good, bad, or indifferent, we must give thanks. Although standing for Christ is difficult, if we are thankful while standing, then we will bring glory and honor to our Heavenly Father. We must reflect on the goodness and greatness of God by giving thanks. But after giving thanks, we must be content with with the Lord and his will for our lives, which is letter B. As the body of Christ, we must be content with Christ. He alone is our hope. He alone is our peace. He alone is our strength. Despite our faults, failures, and flaws, he loves us unconditionally. And we should be satisfied with him. See, God has a plan, a purpose, and position for each and every one of us. And we must learn to trust and not get ahead of him. When we are content with Christ and accept what he has for us, then we are truly are fulfilling his will, which gives us the strength that we need to stand. Being content is a sign of strength because it demonstrates discipline concerning Christ. It displays our dependence on Christ and it develops a continued love for Christ. See, our contentment with Christ indicates that Christ is enough and that the world and what the world has to offer is nothing when compared to Christ. See, being content in Christ provides security. It provides stability and it gives us sound minds and hearts. See, although we should be content with Christ as our Lord and Savior, we should never, let me hear you say never, be content with learning, growing, and gaining a closer relationship with him. See, many of us are not content with Christ. We desire to be saved by Christ, but are not satisfied only with him. We desire the materialistic. We want the latest vehicle, a bigger home, an infinite amount of money. And we, are tra- and we are chasing the American dream as opposed to chasing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have allowed the things of this world to drive us, which ultimately drives us away from Christ. We have placed an emphasis on the things of this world as opposed to placing an emphasis on our creator. See, we are never satisfied with what we have and place more of a priority on accomplishing worldly goals than on perfecting ourselves in Christ. See, some preachers believe a Movado watch is more important than living for Christ. See, as the body of Christ, we must learn to be content with the physical and never with the spiritual. We should have the attitude of Paul where in Philippians 4.11 he states, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. See, Paul is telling us that whatever God has in our life, we need to be content with Christ and whatever that situation may be. See, 1 Timothy 6.6 tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain. Therefore, when we live a life that seeks to please the Lord, and we are content in pleasing him and him alone, then it is not little gain or some gain. It is great gain. 
Hebrews 13.5 says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In this verse, Paul tells us to be content with what we have because God will provide. See, being content with Christ tells others and ourselves that he is truly enough. We should only be content when it comes to his will for our life. When we are out of his will, then we should never be content. We should never be content with having sin in our life. We should never be content with the lack of spiritual growth or being at a stalemate. In contrast, we should be content with God as our Heavenly Father. We should be content with the Son being our Lord and Savior. We should be content with the Holy Spirit having an influence in our lives. We should be content with what the Bible says. We should be content with walking in the Spirit. See, our job is to give thanks to the Lord and to be content with the Lord so that we can, let her see, rejoice in the Lord. To reflect on the goodness and greatness of God, we must always rejoice in him. Rejoicing in the Lord goes hand in hand with giving thanks and being content. If we, if we are thankful, then we are content. And if we are content with being in, in the will of the Father, then we should rejoice. When we, re, when we rejoice, it should be something that we always do because he is worthy. First Chronicles 16.10 says, Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. First Chronicles tells us that when we seek the Lord, then our hearts should rejoice. Psalms 31, 21, 33, 21 says, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. See, the psalmist is telling us that when we strive for godliness and trust in the Lord, then our hearts rejoice because we are seeking and pleasing our father. When we rejoice, we gain strength because we are removing our minds and hearts off of the issues of life and celebrating our father. It is imperative that we rejoice because we have a holy, a righteous, a loving, forgiving, empathetic, understanding, perfect God that fulfills every promise, provides every need and desires a personal relationship with each and every one of us. As Christians, we should celebrate God every day, 24 hours, seven days a week. Why? Because he is worthy. He is good every day. He is good every day. Let me hear you say he is good every day. And we should rejoice because he shows us love every day. Let me hear you say every day. It demonstrates when we rejoice in him. It demonstrates our reliance on him because he is the only God that can do what he does. To stand strong, we must not only reflect on God's goodness, but we must rely on God's strength, which is point number three. In verses five through six of our passage, God states, There shall not not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses. 
so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. So back in verse 5 of this passage, God says, There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. This statement demonstrates God as Joshua's protector. Continuing in verse 5, it says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. This verse shows God as Joshua's promise keeper. And again, back in verse 5, it says, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. This statement demonstrates God as Joshua's provider. See, these statements and subsequent actions of God gives us a taste of God's strength. He is our protector. He is our promise keeper. And he is our provider. And God is all that we need to be strong. As the body of Christ, to truly stand strong, it is imperative that we rely on God's strength. We are weak, broken vessels that are are held together only by God. See, the Lord is the epitome of strength. Therefore, he is our strength. And we must know that the only strength that we possess is through him. In fact, he is the only reliable source of strength. No thing or no man has strength like God. God's strength is everlasting and will never fail. And relying on God's strength will provide us with what we need, when we need it, and how we need to receive it. Many of us rely on our own strength to get us through life which is a fatal mistake. Oftentimes we get ourselves in so much mess when we decide to do things on our own. And in most cases, God has to clean up the mess that we created. So why don't we relinquish ourselves to him and rely on him in the first place? See, one of the, one of the most important aspects of relying on God's strength is that we must recognize that our battles of life belong to the Lord, which is letter A. We must understand, to be truly strong in the Lord, we must know that the battle belongs to the Lord. God has infinite strength and desires to fight our battles for us. He is willing and able to fight on our behalf, but we have to allow him the opportunity to fight. He understands the struggles that we have with the world, the flesh, and the devil. He understands the daily temptations. He understands the battle that is raging within. Psalms 55, 18 says, He had delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. Psalms 140, verse 7, O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. See, these Psalms are stating that God will give us victory. He will give us peace. He will give us hope. He will strengthen our faith. He will mend relationships. He will provide deliverance. However, we must turn our battles over to him. We must recognize that God will not violate our free will and involve himself in our affairs unless he is asked. 
Therefore, if we don't ask, he won't intercede. See, he gives us free will and liberty in him, but we must give him permission to engage in our battles. We cannot and should not fight battles without him. We must have the Lord leading the way so that we can have true victory. We must step out of the way and stay out of his way and allow God to have his way with the situation or circumstance. We're at full strength when we turn it over to the Lord. I'm not stressed. I'm at peace and know that whatever God's will for the situation, it will be done. See, God never intended for us to take on our own battles. Therefore, let's give him what he desires and turn our battles over to him. We must rely on God's strength to keep us standing by not only fighting our battles, but our burdens must stay with the Lord, which is letter B. Many of us are focusing on the burdens of life, our family, finances, employment, and unfairness, injustice, our rights, so forth and so on. And our creator, Lord and Savior, has taken a back seat to our problems. In reality, our focus has become more about our burdens rather, rather than on God who desires to handle our, our burdens. Psalms 55:22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. See, this verse is telling us to give, to turn over, and to leave all of our burdens with the Lord, and he will ensure that the burdens of the righteous will be taken care of. In other words, we must allow God to be God and submit our burdens to him and leave them there. If God did not want us to cast our burdens on, on him, then he would not have stated as such. See, many of us are struggling because we hold on to things that we cannot and should not handle ourselves. And we have the mindset that we can change a person, a situation or circumstance that we have no control over. We suffer. We're, we are depressed and have stress and, have no, 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 and receive no rest because we refuse to turn over our burdens to the Lord. We tend to hold on to our burdens, which are preventing us from being closer to our Savior and being all that he desires us to be. They hold us back, and then we tend to use them as a scapegoat on why we're not accomplishing the goals of the Lord. Why carry around excess baggage when we don't have to? Why allow burdens to pull us away from Christ and box him out of our lives? See, he desires for us to be close to him. He is a limitless, infinite, perfect, all-knowing, comforting, loving, forgiving God. And he is willing and able to take our burdens so, why don't, so, so that we don't have to. Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am weak, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, our burdens are too heavy for us to bear. So why not let Jesus carry them so we can be strong through and by him? In other words, let's relinquish our burdens to him so he can carry them, carry us through them. 
See, our battles belong to the Lord and our burdens must stay with the Lord. And point C, our barriers are removed by the Lord. Many of us have allowed barriers or strongholds to hold us hostage. Barriers can include, but are not limited to, social economic status, racial issues, political issues, self-identification, burdens, people, laziness, insecurity, apathy, the busyness of life, our careers, sports, social media, and the list goes on and on. In fact, for many Christians, barriers are used as an excuse to sin, and therefore they become stumbling blocks in our Christian walk. And a byproduct of sin is that we, we have chosen not to grow. We refuse to get involved in ministry. Therefore, we have shortchanged God. We must understand that the opposition, the world, the flesh, and the devil, their sole intent, sole intent is to circumvent the effectiveness of Christ in our lives so that we stayed focused on the issues or problems of our lives rather than on Christ. We must recognize that Christ is the only solution to breaking and removing barriers in our life. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Psalms 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Second Corinthians is telling us that God is mighty to remove strongholds. Psalms is telling us that the Lord is light. The Lord is salvation and the Lord is strength. Therefore, there is nothing to be afraid of. So since we have Christ in our lives, there should be nothing that prevents us from breaking down those barriers. We must allow God to work so we can overcome those barriers that are blocking our way. See, God wants to work in us, but we have to stop holding on to those barriers and allow him to do the work to remove them. See, in the life of Joshua, some of the the barriers he encountered were the Egyptians, the Red Sea, and and an entire generation of rebellious Hebrews. However, the Lord freed the nation of Israel from the Egyptians. He parted the Red Sea and he extinguished the rebellious generation of Hebrews. In essence, he fought their battle, he handled their burdens, and he removed their barriers so they could experience the promised land. He will do the same for you and I. We, we just have to stay out of his way. When we're able to remember to build on the found, solid foundation from those before us, reflect on the goodness and greatness of God, rely on God's strength to keep us standing, then we must resolve to live righteously. So there is no question where we stand, which is our point number four. Back in verse seven through nine of our text, God says, only only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, 
that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of, out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good, good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. In verses 7 through 9, God gives us the answer on how to resolve to live righteously. And one of the most important components of living righteously is to meditate and apply the word of God to our lives, which is letter A. Psalms 119.15 says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Proverbs 23.12 says, Apply thine heart unto instruction and thy ears to the word of knowledge. Psalms instructs us to meditate. Proverbs tells us to apply. Therefore, as the body of Christ, we must meditate and apply the word of God to our lives. See, the Bible is the ultimate instruction manual and never has or will steer us in the wrong direction. It would give us the courage that we need to stand strong for the, for the Lord. When we allow the infallible word of God to reign supreme in our lives, then we will never be weak. Why? Because we are allowing the word of God to transform us into who, into who God desires us to be, and that in itself makes us strong. See, true application of God's word gives us the strength we need to handle any and all situations in life. Why? Because the Bible has the solution to every problem of man. When the word of God is used correctly, it gives us the confidence, boldness, and strength that we need. As God's children, we must focus on what God is saying and apply what is being said so that we are living the way God desires us to live. Meditating on what the, on, on what the Lord says gets our minds off of ourselves and places the focus on how to live righteously for the Lord. When we live right, we are being strong. When we indulge in sin, then we are weak. As Christians, when we purposely live mediocre lives, forgo living right, and refuse to apply the word of God, then we will remain weak. We cause more harm to ourselves and allow the opposition to win because we choose not to use the word of God, which is always at our disposal. In actuality, we are taking a knife to a gunfight, and we wonder why we lose. We, want, we wonder why those profane words come out of our mouth. We wonder why we get involved in unequally yoked relationships. We wonder why we react to someone as opposed to respond in a Christ-like manner. We wonder why we lie as opposed to speak truth. The reason why is because we did not meditate on the word of God and apply it to our life, which always results in weakness. Whenever we choose to ignore the word of God, then we have chosen weakness as opposed to being strong. As God's children, we should always choose the word of God over our feelings, over our emotions or thoughts so that we receive victory in him. To live righteously, we not only need to meditate and apply the word of God, 
but we must not be afraid to take a stance for the, for the Lord, which is letter B. As a body of Christ, we must not be afraid to take a stance for the Lord. We must have the mindset of Joshua, where he, said, where he states in Joshua twenty four fifteen, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were, were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua tells us that regardless of actions taken by others, he made a decision for him and his family to, to follow the Lord. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 3.8 says, For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. Therefore, Paul is telling us that if we want to truly live, we must stand in and with the Lord. As a body of Christ, we must not be afraid to take a stand for Christ. We must be able to stand our ground concerning him. We must be able to stand on the promises of his word and be obedient to him so that we are right with him. See, as the world is progressing more and more away from the Lord and pressuring us to conform to its ways, its laws and its thoughts, we must be a body of believers that are not afraid to take a stand on what thus says the Lord. We have to stop compromising who we are in Christ for the sake of fitting in or getting along with the world. We have to stop being afraid of offending folk for what we believe and who we believe in. We must know that when we stand for Christ, then there will be times where we offend people. But that is okay because if we are standing for righteousness, it is okay for them to, to, to not want to stand or be around us. We must always stand on the, right, on the side of righteousness, and the right side is Jesus Christ. We must recognize that man can't do anything that God does not allow, so let's not be afraid. See, Christ did not compromise his stance, even though he was spit on. A crown of thorns was placed on his head. He received lashes. A spear was put in his side. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was nailed to the cross. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose on the third day, and he continues to stand for you and I today. The world, the flesh, and the devil desires for us to live in fear so we can be ineffective for the Lord. But it's up to you and I to refuse to lose and stand on Christ. To live righteously, we must meditate and apply the word of God. We should not be afraid to take a stance, and we must know that we are never alone when standing for the Lord, which is point C. When we strive to live righteously and stand for Christ, we are not standing alone. Oftentimes, standing for Christ and doing the right thing will result in, in loss of family, friends, employment, and so forth and so on. However, we must remember that if we have Christ, we have all that we need. Therefore, we are never alone. See, Christ provides us the opportunity to commune with him every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every week, every year. So it is impossible to be alone when we have him. Even when we feel alone or that he does not care 
He is right there. We must recognize that Satan wants to isolate us from our Savior. He wants to divide our church. He wants to, he wants to break up the family. He wants to destroy marriages. He wants to eradicate structure, decency, and order. He wants us to give up on God. He wants us to be alone so, so that we give up and cease from standing. He wants to whisper in our ears about how no one cares and that this Christian journey is not worth it. We have to combat Satan by knowing that our Savior is always there and never will leave us nor forsake us. Even when we turn our backs on him, even when we willfully choose to sin over him, even when we choose not to meditate and apply the scriptures, even when we choose to walk in the flesh as opposed to the spirit, he is there waiting for us to return to him with open arms. And we must know that God is faithful and will never allow us to be alone if we desire to be in his presence. John fourteen fifteen through 18 tells us, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. In John, Jesus tells us that he will not leave us comfortless, meaning he will always be there for us. See, standing for the Lord may seem lonely, but Christ is always with us. And we have to possess the mentality that if standing for Jesus means standing alone without man by my side, then that is all right. It may mean that people will not like what we have to say, what we do, or how we live. But we must know that we are not alone because we have Jesus, and that is the best company we can ever have. Isaiah 41, 10 through 13 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will hope up, uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be, they shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them, and shalt not find them, even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be, not, shall be as nothing. And as a thing of naught, for I, the Lord, thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. In this verse, God speaking to the nation of Israel makes it makes an emphatic statement that that can be applied to our lives as well. God states that he will strengthen, that he will help and that he will uphold the righteous. So let's make an emphatic statement ourselves to the world that we collectively as the church and as individual Christians will live righteously by standing by and, and with the one and only true God. As we close, let's ensure that even when the difficulties of life are at its peak, we are truly standing strong in and for the Lord. I don't know what your spiritual condition is, I don't know if you have a relationship with Christ or not, but if there's any doubt, I encourage you to get right with Christ today. I encourage you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
We don't know what's going to happen when we walk outside these, these four walls. But I do know that if you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will be in eternity with him. If you have any doubt, please, um, we have altar workers. You guys can come on up. You can speak with one of them, and they can show you and walk you through the Bible on what is needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you need to be restored, if your relationship with God is rocky and you live in a carnal life and you're not being all God wants you to be or desires to be, I encourage you to talk to our altar workers and they can and pray with you and be able to walk you through on getting a restored relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, that's all we have for today. I'm going to pray and then we're going to be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to assemble here to, um, to worship you, to be able to hear a word from you, to be able to just fellowship with one another. I ask God that we as Harvest Baptist Church, we as individual Christians, that we stand strong for you. The opposition desires to get us off our game. But Lord, we know that if we rely on you, that we will be able to stand strong and not allow anything to get in our way. We thank you, Lord, for your your son, Jesus Christ, who, who stands for us, who died on the cross, who rose again on that third day so that we can have eternal life and be with him in glory. We thank you, Father, for just your love for us, your mercy, your grace. We thank you, Father, for just being so awesome to us, even though we don't deserve it. I ask God as, as we depart from this place that we do not stay the same, that the message, your words are convicting, that it prompts a change in our life to where we're wanting to glorify and edify you with our life regardless of cost. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.